think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. This is take two. Sweet pod squad, you should know, we just did this entire introduction to you and somehow in the first 45 seconds Abby and I got in a huge fight I just ruined it I was trying to be fun and then you thought it was serious and I wasn't and so we got in a fight an (laughs) argument and the energy is so weird is this recording I think we should just clear the energy I love you I love you so much I feel like the energy is totally fine because again I was actually totally kidding okay the whole way through well you're you both are gonna get a thank you note in the mail from me (laughs) because you really just teed up this pod we're doing today on love languages just perfectly because I mean can I just say what's better than a misunderstanding what's better than that (laughs) I would say that one of my communication pet peeves is when someone says something and then they and you feel it and you want to respond and it was a big deal or it was something that, you know, was a hurtful or whatever. And then the person says, oh, it's okay. I was just kidding. But I was just kidding JK, the whole time. JK. I was, but if you're kidding, there's still fun. truth in the no, thing that you said. No, there is no truth in it. I was just trying to be funny. Okay. And just to put the pod squad out of your what the hell just happened misery, the whole thing was... Glennon asked me how I was doing and I answered and then she started to talk and then she came back and said, oh, hun, I'm sorry. How are you doing? And then Abby said, oh, it's always all about sister. How is she doing? Not about me. Okay. That, that was the seismic argument 
that we had. And then Glennon tried to dig in and say, oh my gosh, what is this about? Abby said she was kidding. Glennon refused to believe she was kidding. (laughs) Abby said she was kidding again. Glennon again refused to believe she was kidding. Okay, so that is the entirety of what you missed. So you have just witnessed an alert level red lesbian (laughs) argument. Okay. In my relationship, let's just say that would not have registered on the Richter. But here we are. And it is big fixings for Glennon and Abby. Okay. Oh so we're All right. Take that to our therapist later. But today. I'm sweating. That's so good. Isn't it ironic? We are discussing <laughs> love languages, how we offer love and how we receive love best and how sometimes someone could be offering us love. But if it's in a language we don't understand, we don't necessarily receive it as love. So let's hear from our pod squad about their love languages. This is Lisa and my love language is yes. And if I say let's go to dinner, I hear yes. And it should be Mexican food or yes. And I Mm. want it to be fun or yes. And let's get a babysitter and leave the kids at home. This is Kara. My love language is being home alone all day. Maybe the dog can stay, but an empty ass house <laughs> and some garbage television. Yes. Yeah. I don't get that on a semi-regular basis. I'm just depleted. And I feel guilty about it, but it's the truth. An empty ass house. Mm-hmm. Hi, I am Kira. My love language is remembering things about people's schedules and days and upcoming things and having people do the same for me. Mm -hmm. This is Kaylee. I'm 20 in college and my love language is, okay, it's going to sound weird, but my feet are always cold. I love to shove them under people's legs. So if people make room for my feet under their legs when they're sitting or they cover my feet, that's my love language. My name's Gina, and if my husband offers to go to the grocery store, God forbid, Costco, I mean, that is as hot as things can get around here. I mean, it's amazing. My name is Kate. So mine include when people will have a dance party with me, when a loved one will eat ice cream with me, or let me give them a full recap of RuPaul's Drag Race. If you just let me go off on that or one of my other like favorite things. Also, when my cat just rubs her face on me because she wants to be pet and attentive. I don't know if that counts, but I'm counting it because that is one of the ways I feel most loved. Mm. I really appreciate make room for my feet under their legs. Yeah. Just that little dig, you're little you're on the couch and that's a level of intimacy that is is underrated. Like I'm gonna take the liberty to squeeze my little tootsies right under your leg where they're gonna reside for the remainder of the movie. But that's a beautiful thing. I wonder would they feel this way if the person who is sticking their feet under the leg had restless foot syndrome. Oh, I do. Yeah. Where they just move their feet constantly. Yeah, that is a real thing. That's tough. 
Well, you may have noticed that this episode about love languages will not necessarily be framed completely around where we originated this language, which was from Gary Chapman's book, what was it called? The Five Love Languages or something? Yep. It was 1992 book. And his idea is that everyone has preferences about how they would like to give and receive love. So there's a preferred language that Mm -hmm. everyone speaks. And it's Mm -hmm. either gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, or acts of service. And the point is that that's how they express their love and that good partners, successful partners, will take the time to figure out how to express their love in a way that translates to their partner's Mm. language. That is the gist. Mm -hmm. We have scruples. We have Mm -hmm. scruples, but it has no doubt been a worldwide phenomenon. It sold like 12 million copies. It's so interesting when one of these books by a conservative fundamentalist type Christian pastor, which is what this man is, kind of leaks out into the General population, right? It happens every once in a while. Purpose Driven Life did Mm -hmm. it with Rick Warren. and Oh, my mom gave me that book. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Thank you, mom. I gave her the book that Ellen- You gave her Ellen's biography. And she gave me Purpose Driven Life. (laughs) Battle of the Ideologies. (laughs) Battle of the Ideologies. So I would like to speak to this phenomenon a little bit because I myself was in this world, this Christian world where- there is certain media that you're encouraged to consume. It's almost like propaganda, sort of. It's like how to keep you um, on the straight and narrow of the Christian faith, this brand of it. You have your own Christian bookstores. Just as an aside, my books, of course, stopped being carried in Christian bookstores. But when Carrie Ann Warrior came out, they said, we'll sell it. But we put a big sticker on it that says, Read with discernment. Get out of here. Do you see what that's saying about all the other books? What does discernment mean? It means be, think hard when you read it. Okay. (laughs) So it's hilarious because basically what they're saying is all these other books, don't think while you're reading them. (laughs) The rest of these, just please mainline them in your system and commit them to memory. But this one, you should have to think, which is by its nature, automatically a dangerous proposition. And that's the whole purpose of reading is to think while you're reading, but not in these necessarily in these places. Truly one of the goals is to put out this kind of information to keep people in the institutions that make the larger institution run. The larger institution being this, the Christian church, the smaller institution being marriage in this case. So Hmm. Gary Chapman was not a therapist. He was a pastor who, because of his pastoring job, started seeing married, married couples, men and women, because that would have been the only kind of couple that was allowed in this church. Um, And then just decided to make up these love languages to what he would say, help these couples connect what I would suggest possibly is that the goal is was not necessarily to know each other deeply, but to keep people in Christian marriage. Hmm. For example, there's a lot of majorly problematic ideas in these five love languages, which were problematic just in the book, but also the way they were disseminated by all the other pastors. First of all, that it was so heteronormative, but also, well, if your husband 
if the way that he needs love is by physical touch, you just do it. <laughs> yeah. And and let's back up for a minute to to talk about what you're saying. This guy's a Christian minister. He has no formal training as a counselor or a researcher. The whole five love languages is not rooted in any psychological research. No. Nope. In fact, it's never been able to be empirically um, validated in subsequent research that came out after um, this became just a worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So his book is absolutely rooted in Christian doctrine and heteronormativity and in these binary gender roles that are weaved throughout the entire book. And Mm -hmm. subsequently, thanks to a lot of great research that was done by Slate and LA Times and Scary Mommy, uh, several of these things have been uncovered, including homophobic material that was published on his site. So for example, in 2013, a mom wrote in to him based on her son coming and saying that he was gay. And he wrote back, quote, men and women are made for each other in God's design. Anything other than that is outside of that primary design of God. And he advised her to, quote, express your disappointment and or lack of understanding, <laughs> end quote. So so my dude who is words of affirmation, et cetera, <sighs> is suggesting that the best way to love your kid is to express your disappointment. When they show you them. who they are. And, and I just want to emphasize that that's what I mean. That there is mm-hmm. no true, know each other, complicated, messy, meeting each other. It's no, keep everybody in their role. I don't want this conversation to feel like I'm like, oh, those people, how could they think that way? Because I used to think that way, mm-hmm. not with the homophobic shit, but I used to read mainline this stuff. I was so afraid. I, I felt like I loved my family so much. <laughs> and I was indoctrinated in these places that told me that the only way that you will keep your family safe is if you follow these rules. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in on my porch And reading these books, there were these books, prayers for your kid. And the idea was you will keep your kid safe if you pray these prayers. Hmm. And I used to just like sit on my porch and just like write them all down and say them over and over and over again, because I don't know, I was, I was, it's so tempting this, this idea Mm -hmm. of, they tell you that you need to be scared. You know, who was it? It was like somebody that said that, that, that the churches are like the mafia. Like you don't even know you have a problem. They come to your door. They're like, you're going to hell. And you're like, now I have a problem. And they're like, okay, but here's the solution. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so the solution is all of these things that really actually seem more like superstition than faith. Cause they're mm-hmm. all these things you have to say and do, but the goal is not to free yourself and free your people and live in this messy humanity together and take care of each other. The goal is to keep everybody in their little bottle so that the system like, can continue on the way it always has. This has obviously been a worldwide phenomenon for very good reasons. People aren't coming to this because they want to uphold the institution of heteronormative Christian no. marriage. They're coming to this because it is a a possibility of solving their deep personal needs. Mm-hmm. But the motivation matters mm-hmm. um, as to why it was created and what it intends to uphold. Mm-hmm. So physical touch element where that was defined as a love language in the book. And there was a woman who 
um, in one chapter, her relationship has turned toxic and arguably even borderline abusive. Mm -hmm. And he counsels her in this that she needs to offer herself sexually to her husband regularly for six months, (laughs) even within the confines of that toxic relationship. And then he you know, ties it up together with in the next six months and saw a tremendous change in Glenn's attitude and treatment of her as if your treatment depends on you Mm -hmm. checking this box, even if it doesn't feel safe or like it's meeting your needs. And if you do that, you'll start getting treated better. So there's a lot of ways that this not only has been a superficial approach to love, but also actually damaging people. I spent my whole life not necessarily researching everything that I read and or figured out what, where it started and the the origin of it. Like you two, Mm -hmm. you guys are much more intentional. Discerning. Discerning. (laughs) I have to just say this because I came across this book years and years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was really helpful for me, even mm-hmm. though I knew that it was super gaudy. Like it still kind of gave me some parameters mm-hmm. for me to start the process of thinking about how to relationship. Yeah. How to relationship. You know, and uh-huh. so. I, Same. Yeah. I still want to pull out the goodness of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's mm-hmm. kind of what what we're talking about here. We want to take the goodness of this. Yes. And make it applicable exactly to more right. people and everybody and how we really do receive yes. and offer love and meet each other and know each other because none of this is about knowing each other. This is about like words we say, things we do on the outside. It's very like acting that these love languages, it's very like say these things, do these actions, but it's not about like really getting inside and and knowing each other. It's like relationship 101. It's like the very basics. Like it's, I don't even know if it's that. I don't even think it's 101. I think it's deeper than that, but it is a behavioral plan Mm -hmm. as opposed to an emotional plan. And so it's, it's a lot like Dr. Becky was talking about with, you can, you know, memorize the words, say X, Y, Z to your kids and they will do one, two, three, but it isn't getting to the under that, which is the relationship on which that exchange is based. So I think that I'm exactly the same as you, Abby. I read it like it was a revelation. Mm -hmm. It was really, really helpful to me. And I think I've been thinking a lot about this. And I think that the re I think there's three reasons why that book has had such a seismic cultural shift. And I think the first one is that it, it very, strategically kind of reduces this untamable mystery of love yes. into a formula exactly which is very a very very love, compelling promise love that formula and so that's tempting especially mm-hmm. people who are desperate for connection it's like oh you mean i can just perfect it's math yes. it's math i add your love language in you add mine perfect it's done yes. but the second thing and i think the the next two things that it did are really um, pointing towards what is a super helpful thing in relationships. And that I think 
maybe if you come in for five love languages, stay for attachment. Because Mm -hmm. the second thing it does is it kind of offers this simple shared language, acknowledging that there's something happening under the thing that's happening in your daily lives. Right. Other than just incompatibility. Mm -hmm. Like you're looking at your lives, you're like, this isn't working. And the way that he comes in and says, oh, there's something under that. It's that you're not speaking the same language. That is just a helpful way to start to understand that there's always a thing under the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And to have a language about it. And then the third thing is I think it provides this kind of schema for how you can have a fundamental misalignment in how each partner gives and receives love. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you can both be loving each other the same amount and with equal ferocity, but you are utterly missing each other. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that at the end of the day is, I think, where people need to get, where I have found the most actual relief in relationships is to be like, wait, so I'm rushing toward conflict because that's how I love you. And I want to benefit our relationship by Mm -hmm. like entering into that conflict. You, because you love me and want to benefit this relationship, are sprinting as far away Mm -hmm. from conflict as possible. So we are doing the opposite thing and trying desperately to love each other. And I think that's like the path that people should go on. Yeah. From this very simplistic situation. What to take from it. If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. There is this thing that this book does that, that, reminds me so much of of what religion can do which is like there's this m- messy wild thing whether it's faith or whether it's love and it's so powerful in our lives and we don't understand it and we want to be able to control it and they're uncontrollable forces so we're all terrified of it and so there are these people that are like we figured it out mm-hmm. it's just a formula <clears throat> we have simplified it mm-hmm. follow these rules and you'll be safe mm-hmm. it's what i wanted for my family. Um, I was so scared of fucking it up. I wanted someone to promise me if I do A, then B mm-hmm. will happen. And that's what this feels like. It's all external because if you can, you can give your, your partner sex, but there's nothing in this that talks about what if when you're giving your partner sex, because that's what they want, you feel dead inside. You feel 
that it's not real. You feel that it's not really connection. Doesn't matter. Just do the thing. And then the other person does the dishes. And then there's nothing, there's no like, you know, acknowledgement of what's happening on the inside. There's nothing that's integrated about it. I think what you're saying is so important. And I think that the way to understand that in how it plays out, it's a behavior plan. I do the dishes. You make yourself available sexually, but it doesn't acknowledge like this underlying fear or story we're telling ourselves that makes that behavior feel desperately needed. And it doesn't acknowledge the giver's underlying issues that are preventing you from wanting to make yourself available for Mm -hmm. sexually. Mm -hmm. And so it's just not an emotionally based approach. It's a behavior based approach. And if you're just addressing behaviors, if you're just addressing symptoms, then you are never going to get to the underlying emotional stability that won't require this constant influx of behaviors to keep the fear at bay. So if you're in a relationship that is that is not as strong as it could be, it's like everybody has a headache, okay? And the prescription is you keep feeding each other pain meds, but like no one's getting to the why you have a headache. So yeah. you just have to feed the beast over and over mm-hmm. in order to keep the headache at bay. Whereas if you just went in and were like, why do you need X? Why do you, why are you so desperate for words of affirmation? Is it because you don't feel seen? Is it because you have a fear of your whole life going Mm. through and never be really seen or known? Mm. Why do you have such a desperate need for sex? Is it because it's the only place in this relationship where you get reassurance and comfort and closeness? Mm -hmm. Okay, well then, if you just address those underlying things, then then the behaviors will either take care of themselves or they won't be so desperately needed. Ooh, I like that. I also think it's interesting that the physical touch is the one kind of uh, love offering and receiving that doesn't require language, language, language. Women are more conditioned to communicate that way. And it's interesting that what you said, maybe the one place I feel love, the one place I don't feel um, incapable, the one place I don't mm-hmm. feel like I can't keep up with you, right? Is this place that doesn't require me to have all of this language to express to you mm. my love and receive love. Mm. It's also this snowballing problem because if I don't, if I don't get to the place where I truly understand the thing underneath your desire for sex, then not only am I just checking a box, no pun intended, to like show up for that, but I also am doubling down on my resentment and estrangement to you because all I can think about is we have no closeness and intimacy in our relationship and yet you want this thing. Yes. So therefore intimacy with me is not even required for us to have sex. If a partner comes and says, my love language is physical touch. Therefore, I need more sex. As opposed to a partner coming and saying, our relationship is so devoid of in- intimacy and in all of these levels that when we have sex, it's the only time I can feel assured that you are not going to leave me. It's the only time where I can feel assured mm-hmm. that we can 
reconnect in a real way. Mm -hmm. And therefore my need for it feels very high. You're going to go into that situation with a totally different perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of that is that person's desire to be intimate with you. Not that is just a outside of me, random need for sexual contact. It's like the wrapping paper instead of the gift. It's like, do I want to do acts of service for you? Do I want to make out with you? Because we have constantly worked on this thing where we desperately know each other. Mm -hmm. We feel connected to each other. So those things are just natural outpourings of this internal um, knowing that is love. And I'm just doing those things, hoping the other thing follows. Or the way that I've seen it's done so much in the church, which is just do those things and it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If the real love connection, deep thing ever happens, because the goal is just to keep this institution moving, Mm -hmm. not ever to get to the depths of each other. And it might not be automatic because like the, the research that has happened after this became a phenomenon does show that the love languages, you know, what is described in there of quality time, first of all, Every relationship needs quality time. Bare That's minimum. like a proven situation. And um, words of affirmation, et cetera, that those do reflect behaviors that are vital to relationship maintenance. So, but there is no correlation between any relational quality. So how you feel your relationship is going to your being aligned at love languages. Mm-hmm. None. So- Words of affirmation may not come naturally to me. It's important for me to be reminded of that because so I can expand my repertoire of showing my love. Okay. Words of affirmation don't matter unless the words I'm saying reflect that I know you deeply. I just walk into, I love you, honey. That means nothing to me because I know you're just saying this thing. How about words of affirmation are meaningful when they reflect that you know me so deeply that the words you are saying are ringing in my soul. Physical touch, just having sex means nothing unless what we are doing in the bedroom or wherever we are reflects that you know my body and you love me and you are, we are knowing each other through this, whatever, right? Mm. Quality time. What does that mean? Unless the person who is with you knows you so well and you know them that you know exactly how you want to spend that time, where you want to spend that time, what your acts of service. If you're just doing the basics, what acts of service? If those categories don't reflect knowing and caring and curiosity, then all of those things mean nothing. It's what this act of service is, where the quality of time is, how the physical touch is, and what the words of affirmation are. I love when you get fired up so much. I agree with you from where you sit. That is you. And this can help out of a place of desperation. Because first of all, there is not a truth in that we have one love language. We have a place that we have desperation the most, okay? Mm -hmm. So we all give and receive love in myriad ways. Mm -hmm. There may be one way that we are self-reporting as highest. And by the way, they have had research that shows that what we report is not even necessarily true of us. 
Hmm. That's so, so true. I, I totally, I totally believe that. We don't know anything about ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's not immutable. It changes over time, but it is possible that in this, in this situation, in this year, in this particular relationship, I am most de- desperate for X. Yes. But why are we most desperate? We are most desperate because we all have an underlying deep fear that we are just really, really hoping that the the showing of love will help quell that fear. Mm. Am I fearful that I will never be known? Am I fearful that I will never be safe? Am mm-hmm. I fearful that I will always be deeply alone? It matters what your underlying fear is. Yes, yes. It does because then the things that people do for you have to be in reaction to that fear. Yeah. They can't just be random. That doesn't mean as much. And to push back a little bit on the sex thing, I think there's a lot of people that depending where you are in the severity of crisis in your relationship, it isn't necessarily that like you need to know every little thing about that person. Some people are so desperate to know that they still have a modicum of connection with their person, Mm -hmm. that the having of the sex will quell that fear for as long as I need it till we get to the next time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I think that it all goes back to that it isn't as simple, that it is. it depends on the person and what they need and what they want. And so reducing to just those five doesn't really do justice to the complexity of people. And kind Mm. of, if you stop there, you're not getting any further. So this is why Mm. it was so cool to hear everybody's very idiosyncratic love languages, because getting to know those are important. We are multilingual. We are multilingual. Mm -hmm. Well, and faceted. It's not just five love languages. The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. I got it in the blue and white stripes. Classic. It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous and linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us. But they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. Let's hear from our pod squatters. This is Judith and my love language are concerts specifically Brandy Carlisle concerts. This is Lisa, and I would call my love language transparency and feeling loved when someone's words match up with their actions and when they do exactly what they say they're going to do at all times Mm -hmm. or they don't ever say anything 
that they don't intend mm-hmm. to. My name is Lori, and I want to tell you that my love language is to plan something for me. Plan. Don't ask me to decide anything. <laughs> Just plan where we're going, what we're doing. You don't have to pay for me. Just plan it all out and pick me up and let's go. Hi, it's Abby. My love language is coffee. Is this you, babe? Nothing, nothing brings me more joy than coffee being brought to me or being prepared for me. And I know that's like it all falls in the acts of service love language thing. But it's specific. But it's specific. I don't want toast I didn't ask for. I always want coffee. This is Melanie. My love language is sharing and listening to music that is very, very close to my heart. And just doing it in silence and feeling the same emotions at the same time from the same song and talking and sharing about it afterwards. My name is Katie, and my love language is making travel plans and also saying yes to one more episode of Ted Lasso, even though it's late and we should really be going to bed. (laughs) This is Caitlin, and my love language is surprises. So whether it's breakfast in bed or a surprise trip or even just like a slice of cheesecake or anything, but The bottom line is anything I don't have to plan myself. This is Shannon. My love language? Oh, it's short and sweet. Just somebody clean the fucking house besides me. And then I know you love me. Hi, my name is Noah. My love language is warm towels right out of the dryer when I've gotten out of the shower in the winter. The breakfast in bed thing. Here's what I mean, okay? Acts of service. Yes breakfast in bed. It's the act of service matched with the knowing of the person that makes the act of service a love language, right? Yeah. One of your things would not be surprises. Right. You don't like surprises. I don't really like surprises. That's a control thing. I know this because every time somebody talks about, I'm a surprise lover. I love surprises. I love to do surprises. I love to get surprised. Uh uh You don't. And so I have so much envy when I hear surprise love language. And just like show up and don't make plan. I, you know, like, I know you- I like a surprise. I just want to help plan it. <laughs> I like a surprise. I just want to help plan it. <laughs> um, I really, with the one more episode of Ted Lasso, when it's ridiculously yeah. late and we should be going to sleep. I mean, I think that when it's like 1230 and we've been binge watching something and it's like one more song, one more song. Mm-hmm. And I just look over and I'm like, should I, can we, I want to watch another one. Mm-hmm. That's as vulnerable as I get. <laughs> if he's like, actually it's, it's 1230. We should go to sleep oh. now. And he's a hundred percent correct. And I'm like, I'm basically a girl standing in front of you. Just asking to know if <laughs> I can be myself and still be loved. And you just said we need to turn off Ted Lasso. Yes, it's an and abandoning. That's it. It's an and abandoning. And I clam up for like two weeks. It's an abandoning. Abandoned. I feel the same way when I, Abby and I have like a nightly tea ritual where we just, it's not, we just drink tea um, <laughs> at night. And it goes something like this. Honey, do you want tea? Yeah. And when 
every once in a while, Abby will be like, no, I don't want tea. I receive it as an abandonment because the tea Mm -hmm. means we're going to stay up another 20 minutes. We're going to like drink this whole tea. I don't want tea means I'm going to bed right now, which makes me feel very abandoned in the scary, scary night. Yep. I love the listening to music quietly. And I just wanted to shout out that love language. I have learned that love language is with my teenagers. Mm. So Mm. teenagers, sometimes I have heard, um, don't talk to you as much. Okay. And so they become very mysterious and it doesn't work anymore to be like, I would like to sit down and have you talk to me about who you are and your feelings and such. But our teenagers in particular, from the time they were like, you know, preteens until now forever, they are obsessed with music yeah. and they love lyrics and they love artists. And so I have learned that if I will sit and listen to the, to their favorite song with them, it's a way of communicating. Yeah. So I have come up with some of my love languages that I would add if I were writing a book about love languages for myself. Okay, here's one. I feel passionate about solitude. A love language for me is someone who understands that solitude is a magical, important part of life. So if I'm reading or I'm you know, by myself and the kids come up and you're like, mom's outside, don't bother her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. The respect of solitude is very, very important to me. And also I like a person who is not afraid to be alone also. That's so funny. And that's just my stuff. But I always feel like good stuff happens when you're alone. You're, you, that means you're okay with being with your thoughts and your feelings and you come back with something that's original to you. And not just a regurgitation of culture. Like I like someone who respects my solitude and someone who respects their own solitude. I feel really proud of myself. I never expected, I when we first met, I never thought we could have this conversation and be like, yeah, I actually feel fine about being alone. And mm-hmm. I feel fine about you having solitude. Like 10 years ago, Abby was like afraid to be alone mm-hmm. and like needed to be completely enmeshed with right. my partner. Right. It is. We've come Good far job, Abby. That. I wonder if, cause I'm thinking of all of these languages and values. I'm thinking of the counterpoint of the fear under them, because I think there mm. is the behavior and then the motivation of the behavior. Could the fear under your need for solitude be, I'm afraid of losing myself mm-hmm. in a relationship? Yeah. I mean, our friend Esther Perel, she told me once that in a relationship, there's two kinds, there's two people. One is afraid of losing the other person me. and one is afraid of losing themselves. You. <laughs> and I'm sure that's an oversimplification mm-hmm. too, but there is probably that, like that, that the fear of losing the individuality. Um, but also, you know, part of sobriety is being okay with who you are in your own skin. You have one that you have identified as your own. There's been a couple of folks that have come up with new ways of innovating around love languages. I haven't done a deep dive into either of these folks, but Anne Hodder Ship talks about modern love languages and she has her new rubric. And then 
Molly Owens, who's founder of Truity, she has a new uh, analysis that has seven. Mm -hmm. And I really like one of Hotter Ships ones. She talks about shared beliefs Mm -hmm. as a love language. Mm -hmm. She said, it's not just a love language. It's a sense of safety. I feel like my body can actually sit and melt into whatever surface is under my butt at the moment because we are on the same page about some important things regarding other people's humanity, for example. (gasps) What matters in the world and what doesn't. There is an actual visceral bodily response to being in the presence of shared values for me. Yes. And I think that that encapsulates what actually when we're doing this language correct, when we experience an, a visceral bodily response to being in the presence of something we need, mm-hmm. that that is what the heart of it is. It yeah. isn't like, you said you love me six times, therefore check. It's I can feel in my body safe and I feel safe in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and the safety comes from a deeper place then the checklist of behaviors comes from. Um, yeah. I think that's why so many people struggled so much during and, and now with uh, the divide in politics in a single home. I mean, it's like when you realize that your vision of the truest, most beautiful world is completely different than your partner's vision of the truest, most beautiful world. That is certainly one of my love languages. It's like the only thing that, that, causes what looks like a a tectonic platelet shift when I have questions about the world that, Mm -hmm. that go against every, because of the way I was conditioned. And I, I ask questions and I'm trying to process and you're like, what the ever fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. I get really freaked out. It's like this complete misalignment. That's really Mm -hmm. scary. That's so true. I think it's the same way. It's a fear. It's a fear. You're like, am I, because my my quantum fear that pervades all of my behaviors and all of my needs is, am I alone? Yes. Am I alone to face this thing? Am I alone mm. in carrying this? And so when that happens, when there is a misalignment or even a threat of misalignment of deep core beliefs, it's, oh, I'm on my own with this. Mm. Yes. We are not together in this. We will not equally, you know, wave this flag. Mm -hmm. I am alone. I am responsible. Yes. And I think that is part of my oversimplification of like, are you for me or against me? And so if anything is the world seems so chaotic and I'm like in this house, as for me and my family, we will be for this and against this, for this and against this. And so when anything questions that, mm-hmm. it makes me have a sleeping with the enemy moment <laughs> where like mm-hmm. I open the ca- cabinet and all the, it feels like all the cans are out of in line and I'm like, <laughs> whoa. It's happened twice in our, our marriage yeah. that it scares you. And I'm like, well, no, I need you. I need to understand where I'm coming from. And it's hard for you to actually hear. It is hard for me. To anything hear. else that I'm saying around it, because you just open the cabinets and you're like, well, I'm being yeah. something's very wrong here. Yeah. It's a visceral reaction. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of subscription-based stuff nowadays, which is great. You might get one as a gift. 
You might really want to try something during a trial period. You might even make the occasional impulse buy. But what happens when you forget you signed up for this platform or need to cancel after the trial period on the platform? For me, I can never even find where I signed up to begin with. It gets overwhelming, but Rocket Money is here to help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of 500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash hard things. That's rocketmoney.com slash hard things. Rocketmoney.com slash hard things. I have another one. It's moment alignment. Okay. It's. Oh, yeah. So I'm in my living room and my youngest says something that is like so ridiculous and adorable, or I don't know, just a moment that reflects something I've been thinking about. And I know that when I look over at Abby, she's going to be looking at me because she's paying such close attention to our family Mm -hmm. and to all the things we're working out with each kid. And she has such a connection to each of their insides and such a connection to my insides that inside of a moment, we are experiencing the same magic. When something incredible happens and I look and the person's not experiencing it, I think this gets back to like the, the, why aren't I not in the picture episode? Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Yep. But I feel left alone. Like I feel like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, they're missing the most important thing of in the world. And and I am, I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if that's your quantum fear, like sister just called it. Yeah. I mean, am I alone is probably you know, attachment theory to every, everything's just about, are you there with Am me? I real? Am I alone? Am I real? Are you there with me? Is mm-hmm. all of these, yeah. all of our fears. And I, and I think yep. one of the things to talk about too, which I've been thinking about this whole episode and haven't said is these all apply to friends too. Yeah. It's not just romantic relationships that a lot of this applies to. When I think about the new friends I'm making, a lot of these apply mm-hmm. too. Um, and another one for me is conflict care. Tell me more. Not being afraid of conflict and having skill around conflict because conflict for me is a way that I like work out things and grow and think and learn. And, and I need people who are not afraid to say the thing, who don't just avoid it, who tell me the truth about how they feel so we can work it out, who... When I, when I say the thing, know that that's an act of love for me and not an act of meanness. And I like people who understand conflict for conflict's sake. Like, don't just think that the goal of every conflict is to end it and hug and kiss. I don't know how to explain that, but like every once in a while we'll be in the middle of a conflict. That's like good stuff. We're getting at something and you'll be like, okay, let's just remember we love each other. We're in this together. And I'm like, okay, yes, for sure. That goes without saying. But like, (laughs) sometimes the goal is to like really work something out. Gee, if I had to say, is that your, uh, your attachment to conflict has to do with proving again and again to yourself that this relationship 
and connection and mutual understanding can survive the throes of any interrogation of a conflict. Mm-hmm. So Abby's effort to say, okay, we're good. Let's love each other and hug is to your eyes a retreat from continuing through the gauntlet of the conflict, mm. which you need as a point of demonstrating the strength and also even closer bond you'll have once you've run that gauntlet. Yes. Mm. And evolution, like mm-hmm. evolution, like uh, the the idea of a relationship not being just to be smushy, lovey-govey-govey, like lovey-dovey. That's not it. That's not it for me. Like, it's not just that. It's also to have a partner in life that's helping you evolve to bigger and better and truer ideas and identities and ways of being. It's definitely one of my love languages to know that like, yes, a relationship, it's a port in a storm. Mm-hmm but it's also the partner you walk through the storm with. Everything's not just Mm -hmm. a retreat into a comfort. It's a comfort and a challenge. The like enthusiasm for evolving. I could never ever be with somebody who didn't want that, who didn't love that, Mm -hmm. who didn't like have a commitment to learning and challenging and having spiritual adventures, which are internal. It's like inner scuba diving, you know, doing the treasure hunt that's internal and being okay with the discomfort of that. And I think the comfort and the challenge is a great way to pull together all of this on the love languages because truly we're not here to bash the love languages. We're here to say the blessing and the curse of as, you know, commonly understood of Chapman's five love languages is its simplicity. Mm-hmm. So it is a great way to begin to have shared language into a highly complex situation. Mm -hmm. But the catch 22 of his formulation is that it's too simple. And so it, the good thing it gives you access through simplicity, but the bad thing is if it's followed too far, it is so reductive mm-hmm. of human potential and complexity and the vast mystery of love that it reduces the beauty and complexity of the possibilities of your love. And so it's it's take that idea and know that that love language is going to be as intricate and interesting. And ever changing and ever changing as any partner is Mm -hmm. not one size fits all like dive in and figure it out and also dive into yourself and figure it out for yourself of how you receive and then have that conversation with your partner because it does not, we repeat, does not have to be these five. No. And you don't need the book. Just dive into a conversation about how you receive love and what fear and how you need love and what fear is beneath. Yeah. And this is why everybody loves the Indigo Girls song, Closer to Fine. It's like whenever anybody, it's like, I went to the doctor, I went to the preacher, I went to college. Every time we go somewhere to try to get all the answers, it feels good for a second because of that tempting, oh my God, I'm about to nail it. I'm about to simplify it. And it's always wrong. 
And love is too big and too wild to stuff into any dogma or five anything. Um, mm, love it. Love it. Should we end by hearing from our last crew of yeah, love languages? Yeah, let's do it. This is Courtney. My love language is memes and reels. Send me a meme or a reel. My name is Heather. My love language is to bring me snacks, especially snacks in bed. My name is Jan. My love language is sending cards to people in the mail. I send thinking of you cards, I love you cards, how are you doing cards, birthday cards. I just send a lot of mail to people. This also is someone named Abby calling in re-love languages. My love language is please leave me alone, but also do everything for me, even (laughs) without me asking. And most importantly, read my mind. (laughs) My name is Sam. I have a love language thing to share that I think might be unusual, but it is very much a love language between my husband and I. We are both fly anglers and I guide and He does some guiding, but we're very active in the fly fishing world. And he ties a lot of flies. And when he ties the most beautiful, perfect fly and he hands it to me and says, this one is for you to use for your box. And he hands it to me and it is the most perfect thing. It feels like a love letter. And I just melt. My name is Chloe. Interestingly enough, my love language is directly linked to bedtime and sleep time. My need for a partner and my want for a partner to be like close in proximity to me, either tucking me in, cuddling me, lying by me, speaking to me, but specifically as I prepare to sleep. And I wonder if that's something that other people share as well. Maybe it's because sleep is like a vulnerable state, but that has always been the case for me. I love that. That's a good one to end on. Sleep is a vulnerable state and so is life. And so is love. love. And we just need somebody to be tucking us in. We got through a lot in this conversation. We, We got into an argument at the beginning. Yeah. Maybe poked a, a little bear in, at the end there. Yeah. Got some things to talk about. Yeah. Don't we always? Are you still just, you're absolutely furious with each other? Totally. Were you? Okay. All yeah. right. No, yeah, yeah, one yeah. thing. I, I mean, I hope we'll be back next week, folks, but who knows? I think that we're getting to the place in our marriage where if something reaches like a level of needing to discuss what we do, I don't know about you. We're like letting go of a lot of stuff. Yeah, I feel totally let go. Do you know? (laughs) Okay. Oh, you don't. We love you, Pod Squad. (laughs) Carry on. We love you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine.